0: Welcome to uh, the Key the Lake podcast. This is our fifth episode. Wilson is out of town this week, unfortunately, but um, I did bring in a super sub. He's coming in like chicharito.
1: <laughs>
0: Matthew Brown is back by popular demand. I'm back. <laughs> yes, the Blom Brothers salesboy is back with us. Speak of the devil, and he shall appear. Pretty much is what happened. He, he begged us to come back on at some point in his <laughs> life, and I'm like, well, you know, two episodes later, you might as well come back on and represent some more. I never so, left. He did never leave. He's been sitting up at Beguile for about two weeks now. I have nowhere to go. He's been watching Nick uh, pour some... I'm not sure what Nick is doing up there, one of the brewers, but he's uh, pouring something into a large, large container. I don't um, know either. Yeah. So we get to the real elements of the brewery this weekend, which is this week. So that's pretty cool. Um, we are recording on a Thursday and this will be going out, um, if you're listening to it right now on Friday, which is a little bit different, but we will have another one going up on Monday. like usual of next week too. So look forward to that. That episode will be with Ian Hozak. Also our <coughs> guest with us today, um, very special guest. I will let Matt introduce him
1: because he hooked it all up. Yes, so joining us today is Mike Moreno Jr. of the wonderful uh, Moreno's uh, Liquor Store. Moreno's, what's your formal name? Moreno's Discount Liquor? <laughs> we what's go, what's we what's
2: just it? go by Moreno's Liquors. Oh, okay. But thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> so you have
1: that weak intro right there. Yeah, what was that? Okay, I'll take it again. Hi! <laughs> Alright, one,
2: two,
0: three, intro. Uh, um, enjoy <laughs> Do it again. Do it again. You're fired. Okay. (laughs) So long. No, but Mike uh, is here to join us, and Matt's here with us, too. We have a lot of M's on our podcast, other than me and Wilson. Um, (laughs) We're going to get out of that routine, hopefully, here in a soon. But, uh, Mike, thanks for joining us, obviously. And kind of talk us about uh, what brought you into this whole industry. Um, well, I'm a recovering alcoholic. No, I'm just kidding. Because um. <laughs> he is drinking Willet right now. <coughs> I'm, I'm enjoying we should some probably really cheers nice that. Willett, actually, oh yes. So, yeah, yeah.
1: Cheers.
0: Yeah, cheers, cheers, Thank guys. guys. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and uh, nice. before we get back into that, um, Matt, why to not take talk talk about how uh, what we're drinking? Okay, because you so, brought it.
1: Yes, I brought it. I brought Mike. I brought Willet. <laughs> so. Brought Mike. Um, yeah, so I uh, I met Mike uh, just doing my job as a um, Blond Brothers uh, as the Blom Brothers Distilling Company sales manager, and uh, we uh, Mike and I just have a lot of uh, common appreciation in a bunch of brands, beer, spirits, everything, including our mutual love of Willett uh, out of Bardstown, Kentucky. The best. The best. Our probably our favorite distilleries. Yeah. Bardstown. Yes. Um, I All love right. Willett. So I brought in um, so BC Merchants. Um, uh, brought in ten single barrels into the into the sh- Illinois market. Um, so we're drinking right now. Uh, uh, Willett Family Estate single barrel bourbon. It's six years old, 124 proof, and this barrel is named Swift Seasons Roll, which. Um, I- I don't know what that means. What does that mean? Does that mean? None of them make sense. None no. of the names of these 10 barrels make sense. quite humorous, so... Which, yeah. by the way, I am running a raffle on these
2: guys. <laughs> yeah, oh, all right, sure, Going so.
0: to that, yeah.
2: Yeah, well, we're, we're running a raffle right now on five bottles, so we will announce the winners on Monday. Cool. So I guess by the time most people hear this, it's going to be a little too late. I <laughs> missed out once again. Right.
1: So, Mike, you have an incredible bourbon and beer selection, which Thank I you. hope, my pleasure, which we'll get to you in a second. But um, uh, you're world famous for uh, another incredible collection of spirits you guys have. So yeah,
2: definitely. Uh, you want to start us off, talk about your agave spirits <coughs> collection? Sure. So, um, so my father actually started the business back in 1977. So we're almost a 42-year-old business. Uh, our anniversary is actually coming up May 17th and 18th. So just a few months away. But in any case, my father was the one that started off with uh, uh, bringing a lot of Latin American, Latino uh, spirits and really started to curate a nice tequila collection uh, back in the late 70s, early 80s. So that selection really started to grow over the years. During the 90s, we were just, I mean, just kept bringing in more and more tequilas. There were more tequila brands coming to the market. and, um, And from there, you know, really, like, when I came on, so, I mean, I've always been at the store ever <laughs> sure. since I was, yeah. I was, yeah. since I was yeah. a kid. I was there all the time. But um, but I really started coming on and, and, and working the social media and the marketing back in 2010. Okay. And then I came on full-time in 2014. And um, I was looking at what we were doing, and I saw the selection, and I said, you know, has anyone actually ever done a count on all the tequilas we have? Because <laughs> my father would always say, we have one of the largest selections. So... Um, I looked it up, and, and I actually did a count on all of it. And, you know, we have over 700 varieties of tequilas at the oh. store, which is hands down the largest in the Definitely. nation. Um, and then I started bringing on a ton of mezcals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for people that aren't aware of what mezcal is, um, it's actually quite interesting. So technically speaking, all agave spirits are mezcal's, because mezcal is the original agave spirit of Mexico. Yep. So all tequilas are mezcal's all uh, raisillas, Bacanoras, all these other different agave spirits are technically Mezcal's. Yeah. However, the um, the process of making it is a little bit different. Sure.
1: Yeah. Not so, unlike
2: um, whiskey being the umbrella category yes. for bourbon, exactly. rye, whatever. Okay. How many exactly. people
1: think,
0: obviously, that like bourbon and whiskey are two different <clears throat> categories or scotch sure. and bourbon are. It's like, no, we all fall, fall under the same tree. So that's a really mm-hmm. great explanation in comparison to that.
2: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, uh, Mezcal, what, what makes it so unique is... When you look at tequila, I mean, it's just one agave that they use. So you have to use 100% Blue Weber agave to make high-quality tequila. However, to make mezcal, I mean, you could use upwards. There's, there's around 200 varietals, maybe even more at this point, because they keep the, the species keep kind of like crossbreeding. Yeah. Sure. But there's like upwards of 200 varietals of agaves in Mexico. And when it comes wow. to mezcal... They currently can use around like ninety eight, maybe a little bit more. I mean, like I said, that that number just keeps growing. Yeah. I'm yeah. Constantly hearing of new agaves that are being used. So when you think about that, the complexities of all these different agaves, on top of how they're distilling it, Mm -hmm. how are they aging it, it's just such a fun spirit. I mean, it's really, really cool stuff. Is that, like, one of the main things
0: that brought you into this um, industry, like one of the fascinations of it when you started learning about it? Obviously, when you're
2: at an appropriate age to be drinking. (laughs)
0: But but is it a coercion just mostly running around as a kid to the shop?
2: You know, to be honest with you, I kind of joke around. I always said that I was kind of being curated for this uh, yeah. position. For <laughs> yeah. So I had worked at uh, well, what is now Breakthrough Beverage at the time was Works oh. Beverage. Um, mm-hmm. I worked for Anheuser-Busch for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did event management for uh, Junior Achievements, not-for-profit, but that taught me a lot about how to manage events, which mm-hmm. I do quite a lot yeah. of at the store. Um, and so I was really just kind of trying to get a very well-rounded understanding of the industry. Sure. Yeah. And so from that, that's where I really started to get more into the store. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I've always been pretty big into craft. I've Mm -hmm. always had a really deep seated appreciation for things that are unique. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when I came in, I was just like, hey, let's start working on craft beer and whiskeys yeah. and mezcals and, like, all these fun, like, different spirits. Mm-hmm. that was in 2010 a- area? No, actually, so I started um, doing that back in 2014, so okay. not that long not ago. Not that long ago, yeah. but yeah. a good timing, too. When, yeah, you know, this The craft sure.
0: explosion was kind of going through, I mean, what do you, we can say we were 10 years into it, maybe. Yep. Um, exactly. So we're kind of in the middle of it right there.
1: Yeah. But, so yeah, go ahead. So in 2014, you start to count the tequilas, mm-hmm. bring in mezcals. When do, do the beer and whiskey figure into that?
2: About the same time? Around or? the exact same time, I had all these ideas. I mean, I'm I'm really, uh, when I came on board, um, I just had a ton of ideas for things that I wanted to do at the store. Yeah, And sure. I would always, I would ask my father, you know, he was the one that started the business and say, hey, what do you think about this? Mm. And he would say, yeah, sure, let's do it. And I think eventually he got so sick of hearing from me asking for permission, he literally said, he was like, why are you asking me for permission? He's like, if it works, do it. Best kind of boss right there. Exactly. Yeah. So I have a lot of respect that, you know, my father gave me that freedom. And um, and then obviously now we're in a transition phase. Um, you know, they're starting to retire. I'm taking over. And um, really the dynamic of the store has changed so much over the years. I
0: bet, yeah. I mean, how did your family even start finding all these spirits in the first place? Like, well, was the collection just, like, we'll get one, and it keeps growing from there? Or was that the original intent of making this awesome did they, selection?
1: Did they seek
2: out? Yeah, so they seek of, out, yeah, did definitely. Did they seek them out,
1: or did they? people come to them?
2: Yeah, like... um, that's an excellent question. So I, you know, to say that we expected it to get to this level, I, I doubt anyone <laughs> yeah. expects that. We just have a great appreciation for the products. So mm-hmm. yeah. my father, you know, right from the beginning... Already knew, I mean, my father is from Mexico, mm-hmm. yeah, so he grew up in San Luis Potosí. I mean, my family, mm-hmm. uh, most of them moved here, but my father was already aware of these different products. Sure. and yeah. Some of them that weren't even on the market yet. Mm-hmm. In and, the States? Yeah, they weren't in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, they, were, they were solely sold in Mexico. And coming from Little Village, La Villita, which is the largest Mexican neighborhood in, in Chicago, yeah. um, he really understood the market. And at the time, there were no Mexican-Latino liquor stores. They just didn't exist. So my father was the original Latino liquor store of Chicago. So he
0: definitely curated the store based on everything he was in. That's perfect. Yeah, so he
2: would just bring it in. He was like, these are the products that we need. Mm -hmm. And also, he has a phenomenal palate and really, really knows his stuff. So um, from curating a
1: uh, tequila section for Little Village... Can you, can you pinpoint that pivot to bourbon, you know, for us? Because you guys uh, have a great eye for um, bourbon and beer, too. And you pivot that transition to beer, too. Because yeah. you guys have a great eye and great palate for beer and, and whiskey as well. Is it just all part of that same, like, organism, that process? Or was there, like, a point where you're like... Let's do or this. We just too. snapped. No, more, like, that's no it. more. No more. No more Bud Lights.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we're like, we can't handle this anymore. Yeah. No, I mean, um, my my parents. My my mom actually started the craft beer section really? in two thousand nine. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and my father, I think, started the whiskey selection. I mean, we had always had whiskey. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Really started bringing Ground in more meal. whiskeys. Uh, probably back in two thousand ten or eleven. Okay. But that's because you know we listen to the customers. Mm. When we start seeing some trends, yeah. we immediately start to focus on that. And I feel like a lot of stores kind of lack on that. Uh, they, they don't, uh, you know, appreciate what their customers are asking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but having that um, the ear, well, as, I exactly. inter- as I interrupt you. No, uh, really, no. But, uh, <laughs>
0: no, having that ear, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, as a, customer, as a neighborhood changed a little bit, the store probably changed a little
2: bit too. Exactly, okay. exactly. We're, we're constantly innovating. Uh, my father always said if there isn't a market, create a market. Love, that. Um, Love that. So, yeah, I mean, it's it just it's a great idea and, and, and platform for what we do. And so when I came on, um, like I said, I had a really deep-seated appreciation for these products. I had learned a lot from my father already, yeah. kind of was picking up. I, I, you know, I'm thankful that my palate is very similar to his. Mm. Um, and so I really just started branching off, and I was looking at our whiskey selection. I was looking at our craft beer section. And I was like, we could make this more defined. Mm-hmm. And I joke around with customers all the time, and I always tell them, I'm just bringing in products that I like to drink. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I hope that they like to drink it, too. And thankfully, you know, people seem to love what, we, what we're doing over there. Mm-hmm. So it makes me feel good, because how did never you never know.
0: How did your mom, like, in 2009, envision craft beer coming into the store? Like, what was her, what, what brought her, what made her do that? What 2009,
1: was it was like the craft beer industry was
2: michigan and yeah, california pretty much yeah, pretty definitely. much i mean you like
0: know. um was three floyds even open yet yeah there might have been yeah, yeah for sure yeah.
2: yeah three floyds was around um yeah i mean to be honest with you my, my like i said we were just kind of listening to the customers yeah. uh, mm-hmm. my mom doesn't even drink craft beer <laughs> so a lot of times what i would do as the years went on is um i always i i love craft beer mm. um and that's kind of what got me into whiskey to mm-hmm. be honest with you i mean it's Brewing and distilling yeah. They use the exact same ingredients So it, it, it was just a given That I was going to appreciate both of them But um, yeah I, I would try different beers And I would always make recommendations So I would shoot her a message And be like hey you should try this out at the store And she would just bring in things that People would recommend to her So okay. she, she didn't actually know a lot about the products mm-hmm. But she was trying as hard as she can mm-hmm. um, To mm-hmm. kind of Bring in some stuff that she thought would be fun what Were you buying back then? For
0: beer wise, um, <laughs> a lot I, of Blue Moon. And- yeah, so I'll yeah, first I was point. gonna say because I was in 2009, I just graduated college and living in the middle of Iowa, but like having a thirst for craft beer. I don't know why, how I got it. I'm literally one day I'm walking through our um, liquor store inside of our grocery store, and for some reason I see this skeleton sitting on top of a barrel, mm. and it's Rogue. And you're like, I need, I need that, I need that can. I'm totally. not sure why, but yeah, it's like, yeah, I need a dead absolutely. guy. And they actually had this really nice kind of overseas and local, not local, but Localish ish craft beer, as much oh, as you get around I the I mean, or-
1: Rogue being in Oregon was as local craft as anything. I mean, you yes. and you'll see Oregon
0: distilleries now, or breweries now, opening their, their markets here because it's so flooded out there. that comes to Chicago right. first because we're one sure. of you know, the best markets, too. Yeah. And, but back then, you know, this is 10 years ago, 8, 11, 12 years ago, too, even in college. You're just walking through, and without those little liquor stores, no. which is not a major chain of the Midwest, too, yeah. it, was, it was kind of built inside of the store, um... Where you, you can't really expand at all, but yeah. I, I would just look at labels pretty much, and the artwork is what totally. drew me to it, yeah. and it kind of sounds like maybe it's what your mom did with the customers, like, hey, yeah. you know, I, can't, I can't rely on this without without trying it, but I trust your judgment, or how we trust the judgment of the labels itself. Yeah, oh,
2: yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly how it started off, you know, oh. um, she was just kind of really listening and, and taking consideration yeah. what uh, customers were asking for. So important right there. Um, exactly. Unlike my grandparents who ran a small
0: little uh, cafe area and it opened for lunch and then it was open for dinner as well. But you know, every once in a while it would be kind of open at 11 o'clock in the morning <laughs> and yeah. some guy would be eating some eggs and bacon another customer would come in like, I'll have what he's having. He's like, yeah. Uh, we don't sell that. It's like, well, he's eating it. My grandpa would just be like, well, I like him, and I know him. <laughs> so, you that's know. hilarious. But, yeah, they had a family business, though, for 60 years. So I guess I mean, <laughs> yeah. it went pretty well. But, yeah, no, go back to your family. I think Matt has a little question here. Sure, oh, yeah, what's yes. up?
1: So, okay, so that's great. We, we like, pinpointed that, like, switch to craft. Now, fast forward a little bit, now you guys are the store that people seek out, Not mm. just not just customers seeking you out for a new beer or anything that they haven't tried before, but also dipshits like me who have something to sell you. So how do you, now that you are the person taking in, you know, the, the, um, whatever, taking, taking in, um, what just anyone brings to you. Well, I don't take in just what anyone brings. To me. I mean, I, no, that's and that's exactly he what I'm saying. Selection. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And if that's I don't it, like it. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm saying like good. taking in. I, I'm sorry, I was saying more like taking in appointments <laughs> yeah. with people showing up. Sure, like sure. people coming coming to you. You know, so what is now your kind of what are you looking for in new brands that you haven't heard of before?
2: What's kind of your thought process? It's not you know. That's an excellent question. Um, I think a lot of it actually comes down to how it tastes. Oh. So, I mean, packaging is very important. You know, I always tell people, I like to cook at home, so I always tell people that what you see, I mean, it, it's a, presentation is the first 100%. most important thing. So if you look at a bottle and it just doesn't have that right presentation, I'm less likely to even look at it. Yeah. Now, yeah. I always tell them, because a lot of times, you know, these salesmen are like, well, okay, will you at least try it? And I'm always willing to try the products. Because you never know. Yeah. You know it it could true. be deceiving.
0: Yeah, you have good distillers that don't know anybody in the marketing industry, don't, nobody, no, don't know anybody who is um, a graphic designer or anything like that. So Exactly. Exactly. Even just watching, uh, we'll get into that later, but uh, <laughs> I'll, leave, I'll leave Discovery Channel TV out of this right now. I'll give them a plug. But, it was actually, it, but it, I'll, I'll just get into it real quick. we like, watching this new show, if it is actually a reality of like this whiskey business going in and trying to like save distilleries like a whole bar rescue type of thing. Yeah, this exists. Distillery Rescue. I'm looking at Don't Found It. So, <laughs> it's, uh, did you ever watch the um, Moonshiners? Yes. Oh, yeah. So it's that guy. Um, I can't think of his name. Nick. Uh, Nick. He's the guy that the overalls never wore a t-shirt underneath oh, yeah. it. So the oh, Moonshiners yeah. yeah. are now telling the
2: distillers the so proper went, way to yeah, do yeah, things. Yeah, they went. They went public, That's and so supposedly
0: <laughs> with the you know like Fred and Nick was in the first episode as well, kind of curating oh, like the history of everything. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, this guy... Um, Frederick
1: Ascot-Middick. There you go. Patron Sato.
0: It's a good information <laughs> for him. Um, but this guy from Moonshiners now goes to distilleries um, and helps them walk them through the process of distilling, but brings on people who are professional you know, advertisers, advertisers, professional designers okay. as well. wow. And cool. these guys just didn't know what to do with this old family recipe that was you know over 200 years old in South Carolina. Um, and they had terrible branding, and they, had, they built this really cool space, but it didn't <clears throat> didn't flow very well with customers yeah. walking through it and knowing the history of the company because it's a very deep, deep history of the company. Sure. And their their juice was okay. He corrected it a little bit. At least they said that on the TV show. You know, you never mm-hmm. know. But kind of getting back
2: to the original point is that people can make good juice and just not have the right display for it. 100% agree. I mean, I've found stuff like that before, but um – you just never know i mean yeah. especially in the tequila industry there are like sometimes <laughs> i'll you know customers will come up to me and they'll say you know what do you recommend and mm-hmm. I like to narrow it down. I think that's very important. is yeah. narrowing down the search. Because when you have 700 tequilas, mm. it, it could be overwhelming. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Statistically speaking, if I want to get technical here, uh, if, you, if you recommend customers more than seven products, you're overwhelming them. Yeah. yeah. So I always narrow it down. Like, what do you like? Do you like something sweet? Do you want something more earthy, sure. vegetal, herbaceous? And then from there I start narrowing it down. But some of the ones that I always go to, for example, one product that I love um, is called Tapatio, mm-hmm. and uh, just like the hot sauce, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, it, the packaging on it, you know, is not the most flattering packaging you're going to sure. see. But it's authentic and it's mm-hmm. high quality juice, nice. and awesome. I love that stuff. Yeah. How does
0: your store walk through cust or walk customers through that whole experience? <clears throat> what is the approach when someone walks in the door? I mean, is your I would assume probably your favorite customer someone who walks in
2: is like guide me, take me to yeah. this all. Yeah, so I always say that an educated customer or educated consumer is a good consumer. Yeah. Um, you know, as you develop, uh, as their palates develop, they start getting into more unique products, and um, and it's kind of fun to walk them through that adventure. So um, I sometimes like to do tastings with them, okay. and I'll show them if they, you know, <clears throat> sometimes they'll tell me that uh, they really don't know what they want, yeah. they don't know Absolutely. a lot about tequila, yep. and so it's fun to kind of give them a little selection, like, okay, I'm going to show you uh, three or four different brands that are going to taste drastically different and kind of open your mind and idea to what you might appreciate. Definitely. Um, but it's, like I said, I, I go over there and, and I try to narrow it down based on what they, they like to drink. Even sometimes, for example, they might tell me, uh, well, I don't drink tequila at all. Mm-hmm. And you, you just start asking them, you know, well, what, what do you do like you to drink? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And it, that'll help you out a lot. Yeah, yeah, for
1: sure. Bring some comparisons back to that drink,
2: absolutely. Exactly.
1: Yeah. A lot of the times when I'm doing tastings, people have haven't heard of Blonde Brothers at all. Mm. They might not even know the difference between bourbon and whiskey and yeah. whatever you sure. know, and a hole in the ground. But <laughs> just asking, but just asking someone like, well, what do you drink at home? <coughs> can get you halfway to what they're looking for, yeah. you know. Exactly. So. Juice being one thing
2: mm-hmm.
1: the packaging being another thing, and then creating a market where mm-hmm. there isn't a market sure. right to kind of connect the dots has there been instances where you've been like and I think <laughs> <laughs> this the uh, yes answer I'm kind of trapping <laughs> you right because <laughs> saying yes to this question might be a gravity yeah. blanket for people whose brands have been turned down in a lot of places like have you just uh, taste packaging and there being a market not being a market for it has there been a lot of stuff that you've tasted that you have wanted to bring it but you just don't see it in your store um
2: yes and that actually comes down to a lot of gins okay Um, Mm. i love gin so i used to live in spain spain is the gin capital of the world and they are gin fanatics over there Mm yeah but in any case um I really do enjoy gins a lot, and I've tried a lot of great gins. If they're really, really high-quality gins, I'm going to bring them in. However, um, <clears throat> there have been some gins that I really do appreciate, but I just don't have a huge market for that sure. in, my, in my neighborhood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a tendency to be really cautious on the gins that I bring in. So that happens. Yeah. That happens, you know, where there are some great products out there that I – want to support. And I always tell the, um, the distributors, you know, if I start hearing or noticing more people asking for this, and I will remember and I will bring it in mm-hmm. However, at the moment, um, it's just not right for my store. You know, Chicago is so large and each yes. neighborhood is so yeah. distinct yes. that something that does really well in Portage Park might not do very well in, in Little Village. I mean, even neighborhoods right next door. I mean, there could be a product that's doing great in yeah. Bridgeport. Absolutely. And it might not do well over by me, and that's just a 10-minute drive. For yeah. sure. So how do you account for that?
0: Like, what do you do to change that or to make your store different and, or to adapt to what's happening inside of your neighborhood?
2: Um, I still, like I said, I, I still would bring in unique products. So mm-hmm. even with the gins, I was still bringing in products that I think are great. Yeah. For example, I, I, you know, I carry Monkey 47. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite gins out yeah. there. Really, really good stuff, and the story behind that, which is for another day, is really cool. <laughs> but in any case, it's um, made by 47 Capuchin. <coughs> look, no, look into it. It's really crazy. It a crazy it's crazy story, yeah. Yeah, it's a unique, uh, unique distillery. But in any case, um, yeah, like I bring that in, mm-hmm. and I don't sell a ton of it. Sure. But I still have it because I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So, and I joke around. I'm like, well, if no one's going to buy it, then I'll drink it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, the privilege it's privilege of owning your shop. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but when you really get behind brands and customers see the passion that you have for mm. it. <clears throat> sorry, there's something no, stuck in the back of my throat here. The voice sounds um, good. You sound great. Yeah. Sound oh, very good. I'm flattered, thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, I, mean,
0: I think with when, with your store and reps like Matt coming in that are selling such great products from Chicago, Illinois, whatever it may be, it's hard to decipher between them, especially yeah. in this city, too, when there's some really great products from the beer, from the gin, from the whiskey. Where do you go? But you have to fit it to your customers, and that's a very difficult thing to do because sure. you want to have – I'm sure you want to support everything locally that you can, but you also have to listen to what's happening on the pavement of your of your actual block. 100%. And obviously, your family started that store. I was, I'm assuming it was probably a pretty small retail space initially. And now it's grown into much more than that. Yeah. And c- keeping that consistency to your store, <clears throat> buying the right products, I'm sure is a little bit difficult. Um, maybe you turn some people off, but I thought Wilson explained a really good story on the last podcast about how he was, you were his first no about his product and he thought I'm going to go in there to slam dunk because the heritage of the company the heritage of you the heritage of him all being um, within Latin American uh, regions of the world and he thought for sure I, I'm going to go sell this rye in the store but you said no didn't say no forever but maybe just <laughs> said not right now Yeah, and that's really I think a touching story to what happens inside of this industry A, sure. there are no slam dunks no. Um, at all because your product you might even like the product but I can't sell it right here mm. and eventually maybe I, be, I will be able to but right now i got to support what is selling very well even if i do like it like True. you said you do have those products that you keep on the shelf because you really do enjoy them they're you know special to your heart which you yeah. absolutely should because you, you never should lose touch of what what you enjoy mm-hmm. inside of this industry but at the same time you got to say well this coming off the shelf this makes the money and it's kind of hard to go in between there find a nice little even space but what do you do matt when you're approaching stores like that and they're trying to think like hey this product I think will sell here and mm-hmm. then someone like Mike's like I don't know if it will
1: yeah um, if someone says no this isn't working right now yeah. it's interesting because in Chicago you can do you can do um, a, you can take a different tack and say well I'll make it work I'm on the ground here And I have people who I can pay to do tastings. And if I, I, like, Mike really believes in Monkey 47, I really believe in Blonde Brothers in a neighborhood, I'll be like, hey, Uh, I'll I'll go all in and just be like, hey, I'll make sure someone's here doing a tasting every three weeks. Okay. You know, and we'll move it by hook or by crook. (laughs) Um, It'll just work. (laughs) And if they they don't do and if they, um, and if that's still a no, that's fine. I I have another kind of bullet bullet in my chamber that doesn't always work. Of course, every store is different, but you can always you can always you know. Um, I
2: hope you're not talking about a literal bullet. Yeah, in the chamber. exactly. That's that's your. Second I'm talking one. I'm talking
1: about a literal bull. A bull in my chamber. I'm oh. going to uh, herd a bunch of cattle through your store, not unlike here we go, <laughs> not unlike a rustler in 1850s Tejas. Um So. <laughs> um no you just you just target the other bars and stores in the neighborhood yeah. and you just go and I, I can go over to mike and i can say hey um i know it's not really in the neighborhood but um do Six has my product you know um mm. Um, this is not true, but I would like it for <laughs> high Sue has my product, you know, other yeah. places kind of in the neighborhood, town and country, which yeah. is another store. You find the yes,
0: Great they build, guys you build a program it,
1: up. Exactly. I, you know, I, I just come back in a couple months <coughs> and just like, Hey, because I believed in the store, I've done some legwork and I've gotten, I've kind of like circled your store and, yeah. it, and I've done it before and it's worked. It, It's, um, it's a lot of legwork, but you know, it's, it's, it, it's what I would have been doing anyways. I'm always looking for new placements and stuff absolutely. like that. Oh, yeah. And as soon as I went into Moreno's, I was like, oh, this store I got to be in. And thankfully, <laughs> it's like it a didn't... a candy store, right? Exi- oh, <laughs> yeah. Dude, oh, my gosh.
2: Everyone always says
0: that. I, that's,
1: I will read Just, verbatim... Describe
0: that. Go into that. I mean, that's a, it's a good way of putting it,
1: what that store represents, especially on that side of town. I sent my brother-in-law in there, and he said exactly that. Yeah. This is a candy store. So Mike answer that and I will find those text messages <laughs> and read verbatim what he said.
2: Yeah, so, um, so yeah, I mean, I have a lot of customers that come in and um, one of my favorite things is when you see a new customer that comes into the yeah. store that, have, that has never been there before. I mean, first of all, before you even get into the store, just going to Little Villages is so special Absolutely. because it's you know, the cultural identity of this neighborhood is so unique and so different from any other neighborhood. You know, you're going down the street Imagine in the summer, you know, you see Iloteros on the, on the side of the street and selling amazing corns, yeah. and, and then on top of that, um, you're smelling tacos in the air. I mean, everyone's speaking Spanish. It just, it's it's really unique. So you go into the store, and you just see these people's faces just kind of light up, They're like, oh, my gosh, like, where yeah. have I gone? It's like Mecca for them <laughs> as far as liquor. And, um, and that's what I really wanted to work on. I mean, if yeah. you come in the front... The whole front of the store is is just lined with display cases that we had custom built specifically to showcase a lot of these unique products that we have. So, I, I mean, right when you come in, you're immediately, like, um, confronted by these amazing cognacs and mezcals and whiskeys and tequilas, and people just love that. You know, yeah. it's it's like a museum sometimes yeah. for them, and they literally, I'll, I'll see people come in just to take photos of oh, these really? things because they That's just, cool. they, they think it's so cool and so Destination unique. spot now. Exactly. And I, and I love it. You know, that's what I want. I, I want people to come in, and I want them to appreciate the products, and I want them to ask questions. I mean, yep. that's important for me.
0: Mm. I think when, I mean, not to get too, like, political or anything like that, but when you think of people inside the whiskey industry, you usually think of people like Matt that have beards and are white, and no, but... Uh, but you, the you, neck like, beards. Yeah, the neck beards. <laughs> uh, but you do think of a... Like, there's always a... I stereotype of anything in anything in this world. Of course. And that's a stereotype of the people in the beer and whiskey industry. It's somebody who probably is wearing a flannel shirt, has a beard and Matt's not wearing a flannel shirt though today. <laughs> um, I was earlier today though. I, but I can't grow a beard, so that's a <laughs> personal problem. But you, there are more people than just those guys, and even like certain ladies or whatever if you will, um, that drink whiskey and drink fine spirits. And sure. I think when you build a market for your neighborhood, it's the smartest thing to do. I mean, what did what took did you guys do that? What went into all of that? Um, Obviously, forty years of leg work, but yeah,
2: a lot a lot of leg work. But were you trying to introduce like
0: craft into like a new part of
2: town? I was. You know, I I looked at it and and. I looked at the south side of Chicago, southwest side, I guess for us. But um, I noticed that there was a lack of yeah. good spirits and, and good beer, and I didn't think it was fair for me. You know, someone I, I can't get every single thing at my store. I try as hard as I can, but uh, back you in the can't day, get everything. At <laughs> store. I could get Michael. most things, most things. But however, um, back in the day, it was a lot harder for oh, me. For sure. sure, yeah. And especially before I was working at the store, so you know, I would go to these different places and. Um, try to seek out things that I wanted. And I started to realize, I was like, why should people on the south side of Chicago have to drive up north right. th- to get this? I was right. like, that's not fair. And on top of it, you know, there unfortunately there are quite a few places that believe in price gouging, and <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I really don't believe in that. I, I believe in, you know, taking care of the consumer and and having them appreciate what, what you're bringing to the table. So, so that's, I mean, like I said, I just... I really wanted to bring craft to the South Side and, and say, hey, you know what? Don't forget about us over here. Yeah, I mean, was that
0: part of that with like
2: social media developing all of that because you guys are a part of that for yep. sure. You're very
0: active on it Thank and you. have a good following as well yeah. where that's not every store in this town or maybe they try to do it a- overdo it too much but you represent what's inside of your store I think that's what you guys curate very well mm-hmm. on social media pages when it comes to Facebook even putting it in Spanish I think it's perfect why, why, why yeah. not if that's your market put it on there um, And obviously other people will come down there I know people that drive from the north side down to there just to come see what you have and see what's different that's the <laughs> himself. Um, but yeah it's, uh, you know, it's awesome to see that I think uh was that your original plan when you started implementing those social media tools?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I wanted... I was looking at the market, and I said, okay, we have a really strong hold on the Latino market. Mm-hmm. I said, but we're missing out on the general market. We're missing out on the African-American market. Mm-hmm. And we're missing out on the Asian market. I said, you know, I don't want to be the Latin American store. I said, I want to be one of the liquor stores. Okay. Um People that know me personally just know, and I hope they don't take this personally, or they don't take this in a a negative connotation, but um, that I'm very competitive. Good. Uh, I've always been like that, and um, I think that drive, that internal drive, I'm I'm competing not against other people, I'm competing against myself. I'm always striving to like, okay, I just reach this goal, but it's not good enough for myself, so I'm always trying to reach that next kind of opportunity. And um, for me... You know, the social media was just a really good platform. I knew the power of, of Facebook and Twitter yep. and Instagram and all these things. And even at the time, I mean, earlier in the year, I, or earlier um, when I first started off, I was using YouTube and stuff like that. Yeah. And it was just really powerful. You mm-hmm. could reach a very large market for relatively cheap. I mean, it's, it, you're, you're spending time, but you're not spending, uh, you know, a ton of money like you would on, on TV. For sure. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: definitely. Um, Find those texts uh oh, do <laughs> you want me to do that first hey, okay. go for let's it, do it we, we okay love so been anticipating it um 8 a.m <laughs> my brother-in-law phil what's the name of that liquor store in the little village area you told me about in all capitals i respond moreno's my favorite store if you go ask for mike jr and tell him i sent you will do thank you did he do that
2: I'm sure he did. <laughs> <laughs> he remember all the customers that walk in the yeah. store. I'm a visual guy.
1: <laughs> 4.07 p.m. That place is like a candy store. <laughs> I respond, yes. Uh, <laughs> and then he goes on. I asked him what he um, what he bought. Uh, 2017 BCS, which he opened that night. He to me later about that. Nice. And then... That one IPA you brought to your parents a while back, what's it called? Money for nothing, hops for free? That's the one. Also a stout called The Bomb. I don't know what <laughs> yeah. that is.
2: Probably Prairie Bomb. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. And, uh, it's hard for me to remember all these things. That's too. pretty I mean, uh, good, good mind right there. Know yeah. your products very well. I, I try really mm-hmm. hard. It's, it's uh, People are always shocked when they're like, how do you remember all these yeah. things? I'm really visual, so it's mm-hmm. actually funny a lot of customers will come in they'll tell me a name of a brand that I know. (laughs) Yeah. Like, a very common brand. Yeah. And, you know, they could be like, I don't know, I can't think of anything else on my head. No,
0: it goes back to, like, the label,
2: it sounds like. Exactly. So uh, the minute I type it in and I see the photo on my phone, I know exactly where it is in the store. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So I'm just a visual person. That's why when you said, did he say that? I was like, he probably did. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) once I saw his face, it's hard for me to remember. Yeah. How do
0: you guys go around, you know, basically rotating the shelves or, if you will, designing the shelves of, of craft to large spirits and separating those out and making sure everybody knows where to go.
2: Sure. Um, so I, I changed up a few things over the years. Originally, like, for example, our craft beer aisle, which is a great example of how I was kind of curating things. Uh, started off, it was about, like, 200 to 250 different brands we had. Okay. Now we have close to, like, 650 craft beers on the shelves. Wow. But I really started to... Create a whole experience around it. So when you walk in, you'll see at the top, it'll say East Coast, West Coast, um, local, Midwest. Mm -hmm. And I try to categorize the the beers based on that. And I just kind of noticed, I was like, customers want things from specific uh, areas. Mm -hmm. Maybe this person's from Michigan, so he wants to see where the Midwest beers are. Maybe this person is really, really into local, so Mm -hmm. he's shopping local. And then, like, the most important thing is right in the front of my craft beer aisle, right at the top, it says new. Yeah. Mm. And everything on the top of the shelf, right when you walk in the craft beer aisle, the whole top shelf is all the new beers that came in, mm. <coughs> excluding some of the more limited products. Yeah. Mm. But um, it makes it easy for customers because yeah. they don't have to look around. What they want is r- located right there. For yeah. sure. I mean, I nearly stiff arm everyone out of the way to <laughs> see that
1: nice little juicy end cap of new beers. Oh yeah. Um, so, you touched on um, not gouging and like you used to not be able to get everything. Now, now you pretty much do. You I get, get a everything. lot of things.
2: I I, I mean I, I don't sure. get everything, but I get a lot of things. So, <laughs>
1: but you center you center releasing those around bruachos. Yeah. Raffles. So, uh, do you want to talk a little bit yeah. about burachos and some yeah. of your special events? Because they're the best. I the, mean, they're great. Thank you. Yeah. yeah.
2: I, I put a lot of time into my, um, into my events. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, burachos was actually uh, – that's how a lot of this started off. I was like – like I said, I was taking that, that motto of if there isn't a market, create a market. Yeah. And I was like, how can I create a market relatively quickly – in an area where people would not assume to find great craft beer. And so about five years ago, they came up with the name Brew Rachos, which is a play on words for drunks, mm-hmm. um, which I just thought was funny. And, and the logo
1: is based off the trading <coughs> card. Yeah. Like the mm-hmm. barachos yeah. trading card. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, the Loteria card uh, mm-hmm. has, has a, <laughs> an alcoholic on it. Uh, <laughs> the original was him holding a pappy in his hand, yep. which I thought was very funny. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. great. Um, but yeah, so... I started off with that, and I just kind of wanted to showcase some of the great beers and stuff like some of the great beers and some of the great whiskeys that we have in the store. So I started hitting up breweries, hitting up distilleries, and and saying, "Hey, um, would you like to come down to my store and and do a tasting? Because mm-hmm. we don't make anyone pay to get into this event. The whole point is." You're appreciating Thank you, these, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <That's very nice coughs> no, it is. It, I mean,
0: yeah, it's difficult. I mean, like we'll see it next week during Whiskey Week. They have to pay for, but sure, we'll leave it at that.
2: Well, I mean, you. <laughs> so the the whole point. I won't leave it at that. No, I'm just no, like. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like the I get whole it free for press. <laughs> love there the love we go. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's all about you know appreciating the brands and and um, to get into the limited raffles, you have to spend a certain amount of money mm-hmm. in the store. However, how that works is okay. All the tastings are free. Mm-hmm. I want customers to go around try something that maybe they hadn't had, and they say this is awesome. So yeah, they're getting into a raffle that they have to pay for. However, they're not just paying to get into this raffle. They're bringing home beers and whiskeys that yes. they actually like. Yeah. So it's it's a it's you know everything plays off really well. A lot of customers. I want to say almost like three fourths of customers that come end up winning something. Yeah. So not only do they get to go home with a great bottle, but they also tried some new beers for free, tried some new whiskeys for yep. free, yeah. which is amazing. I mean, everyone Definitely. loves that. But uh, they're also bringing home some some product that they never would have had before. And it just gave them that opportunity. And so everyone seems to be happy with that. That's a great way to, like, have,
0: like, more hands reaching towards your shelf to different products and Mm -hmm. keeping that variety of building their own bar at their own house and trying to, you know, have some diversity to their shelf. Because that's really important to know for, like, probably all three of us here is trying different products and doing new things. So when the average customer... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's the best part about it is trying something different. (coughs) Right, Matt?
1: Yes, I enjoy it. Do you yeah. only drink Blonde Brothers? Uh, no, absolutely not. I drink a wide variety of things.
2: Wide variety of Willets. Oh, right. Wide variety of Willits. Oh,
1: right. <laughs> variety <laughs> variety of Willits. Um, yeah, I mean, there, uh, like we were talking about <laughs> either off mic before the last episode yeah. or during the last episode uh, that we did together. I don't have a great memory, but uh, about <laughs> how, the, <laughs> how the um, – the new trend, I think, is um, going towards all of us having a home bar, Yeah, you know, more absolutely. interested in a home bar. And I know um, n- next to nothing about Agave Spirits, but being uh, a friend and a customer of Mike um, has, has really made it more interesting to me and opened my eyes to it. And, uh, yeah, so I have a bottle of his barrel pick of Corazon that was nice. finished in a Bland barrel. And it's just been m- mind blowing, and it's it's really good, and that's probably my Rosetta Stone for like <laughs> for like appreciating tequila. No, you know? I think it's
0: okay. super important to kind of bring out is that the bar or the uh, experience of whiskey, the experience of spirits is transitioning back to the home that we kind of like saw maybe during like the 1950s and 1960s. Obviously, people are still going out to spend their money at cocktail bars, whiskey bars and bars in general. I hope they keep doing that because I'm opening a bar soon, (laughs) so. That's kind of where I was going with all this. (laughs) But yeah, no, I think it's really important though as um, an owner of a liquor store like yourself to be able to provide that experience for individuals and going back to those contests and the raffles and the experience that you can drive inside of your store mm-hmm. so people can take that back to their own house and, you know, have friends over and share and share that bottle because the most important thing about buying a nice bottle yeah. is sharing with good people.
2: Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's all about the experience. I mean, right. that is the most important part is experience and, and kind of uh, sharing that with yeah. friends, just yeah. like you said. With, yeah.
1: with your store in another hand's, This huge variety of spirits and beers and stuff um, who didn't have your same philosophy, it would be overwhelming and uncomfortable for a customer. Mm, Yeah. You know, because you see 700 tequilas on the shelf. How many whiskeys? 500, probably whiskies, 400. I have
2: about 600 whiskeys. So 600? So I have 650 craft beers. You, yes.
1: you see all of that Counts and you get... Everything. <laughs> yeah. you, you get overwhelmed and you... If there was no one to be there and guide you like your employees and you, yep. you just buy the thing that you always liked. Of course. You wouldn't branch out. Yeah. Of course. You know? And with your ability and your volume to get... Um, uh, the high quality limited stuff, you know, people would go in there and you know say like, you know, can I have a Mictor's ten or a yeah. Brother Brothers <laughs> Bangle? And then, then you, uh, some that, uh, another store would there. say, no, you know, I'm holding it for someone else or whatever, you know. Yeah. And that, but um, I try to make it as
2: fair as possible.
1: And you do, and yeah. that's a, that's and but in your hands, it's
2: uh, this uh, great, it's this great experience. So I I think that's great. How do you make it Thank fair you. for everybody? Um, so, yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, so what I really work on is, is I don't believe in, in ho- hoarding everything in the back. A lot of customers yeah. come in and they're like, well, what do you have in the back? And I always tell them, yeah. like, <laughs> whatever is out is what we have for sale. Awesome. Um, because I just don't believe in, in having to hide things in the back. I'm not going to name certain liquor stores no, or anything. No, but
0: My fiance works in the whiskey industry and works for a very prominent company. And when she <laughs> goes and asks those questions, do you have that in the back? or uh, I'm looking for this and they're kind of play with you of like to test you to see what you really you sure. know What they're asking for yeah that's not fair <laughs> and first of all that shouldn't happen to anybody if they're asking the question of like do you have this? the answer should be yes or no not exactly well let me see about this and try to test you for what your knowledge is of the spirit because if they're willing to pay hey take their money right exactly <laughs> yeah I
2: hey. mean it's I find it funny I will have sometimes some people that come in and you know that they've never been to the store before, and they have like a list, and like, okay, do you have uh, Pappy twenty three, <laughs> and and then I'm like, here we go, here we go and yeah. sure enough, like the next question, they're like, okay, Mitras twenty, uh, do you have any of those old Willets, and uh, I'm gonna keep bringing it back to Willets, no, love them, uh, no, but uh, but yeah, sense. and it's it's quite humorous because um, you know, and, and at times sometimes they just don't know, like, yeah. maybe people are just telling them like, hey, these are the products you should try, right, but um, but you know, I always try to steer them back to like all the other great products I'm like hey Excellent. you know look at look at all these great whiskeys we have on the shelf and um, and sometimes you find hidden gems that you just otherwise would never have known about so yeah. um, it's really fun but at the same time like I said I try to make it really fair I do a lot of raffles where uh, like longtime whiskey customers and stuff like that for example uh, I'll tell them hey if you're a longtime whiskey customer I'm going to give you two or three free entries immediately into my raffles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll even give you an extra entry if you want to come buy something else to support the brand. Cool. And that uh, that makes it really fair because other people that are literally coming in and, and uh, they're, they're not loyal customers. You know, they just come in and they're trying to find, find that the, bottle. Exactly, yeah. find that special bottle that they've been looking for. Um, and you say, you know what? It, I have it. But uh, you want to help, you know, kind of support some of the other brands. Yeah. And I think it's fair for everyone because, like I said, I'm not price gouging. I'm not putting these bottles up for, uh, I don't know, 60%, 70% more than what they should be. Yep. Um, you know, I'm marking them up at, at a fair price, and I think everybody's happy with that.
0: Um, yeah, and the, like, this whole recent, I mean, it's a very recent, I think, kind of how it's become more nationally, this whole bottle hunting process. Oh, yeah. Um, when have you seen that kind of picking up its pace
2: recently, over the last few years? No, I've been seeing bottle hunting for a while. Okay. Uh, I saw it more with craft beer, Yeah. Uh, but whiskey, mm. obviously, bourbons, yes. yeah, bourbons um, has really just taken off. And it's actually funny, because I have a lot of really good bourbon customers that now come in for our scotches, because... Oh. We have a great scotch selection, and they're like, you know what? It's too hard these (laughs) days to find these bourbons. They're like, and I could come in here. Take me to these heritage companies. Exactly, and they'll spend half the price and find an amazing 23-year-old scotch. Right. Um, So I get it. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's frustrating even for me. Because, yeah, some of those uh,
0: overseas companies that we have to cross the Atlantic to get to, they sell easier over here cheaper over here than they do over uh, back in their homeland sure. so, I mean, it's yeah. nice to be able to find those prices here and get you know not only great whiskey but whiskey's been around for longer than some of these brands here in the states it's mm-hmm. absolutely
2: amazing I mean just think about like what they're doing I mean I guess a lot of people have gotten into Japanese whiskey <laughs> yes, so they yeah. have gotten a lot harder to find yeah which is sad for me because I love Japanese Absolutely. whiskeys. <laughs> yeah, it but, is. Um, but, yeah, you know, people start appreciating. They're like, okay, you know what? Let's try something different. Yeah. Um, like Gavalan, for example, yeah. uh, which is just really fun stuff from Indonesia. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just finding unique products and, mm-hmm. and There's always more out there. <laughs> There's so much. It's insane. <laughs>
0: yeah. Matt, anything you wanted to <laughs> ask about uh, barrel picking?
2: No. <laughs>
1: okay. no yeah, I, I heard am. there was
2: uh, some barrel picks. Yeah. From, uh Blonde Brothers, or even Whole, describing well, the barrel okay. used <laughs> to the audience
1: too. So, yeah, I mean, you guys have some wonderful barrel picks, uh, Widow Jane, and of course your Cor- Corazon picks that are finished in whiskey barrels. Do you want to
0: walk like people through what a barrel pick maintains? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh,
1: a barrel pick, a store pick, is a single barrel selected from a distillery. That's going to come out, you know, a normal bottle, normal label. It's usually going to be cast strength because um, it's not proofed down, um, with the exception of, like, Elijah Craig will always be 94 proof or blah, blah, blah. Sure. But um, it's one barrel selected by the store, so it represents the store's palette. And um, it, uh, you know, in in my opinion, it's the ultimate allocated item is to have that uh, one one bottle from, um, one barrel from one store, yeah. you know, and, uh, you guys have some good ones. So I just wanted to know, um, what your kind of mindset is because I know it's a big investment, you know, it, you, uh, barrel picks. At, yeah. A barrel picks, um, can yield anywhere from 230 down to 120 be- uh, bottles of whiskey. Mm-hmm. And so w- what goes in, what goes into your, um, that thought process of, barrel picks
2: um great my first my first the first thing that goes through my mind really is um are people going to appreciate this mm. i actually get quite nervous every time i do a pick because I, bet. I guess um i started off just really rocking it uh the first single barrel that i did for the store was my smooth ambler 10-year uh, maple stacks, which came out, I don't know. Legendary. Like, nice. Yeah, a lot of people love it, yeah. and um, and I guess that set the bars really high, really <laughs> fast. So I always get nervous, because people have these really high expectations mm-hmm. for the products that I bring in. And um, and I do as well. You know, a lot of times, I'll sample through, like, anywhere from six to sometimes eight barrels, and if I don't okay. like them, I'll tell them, you know, can we try some more? Yeah, <laughs> Because... Um, and at that point, my, my palate is so fatigued, so maybe I have to come back. But in any case, um, I really, really try to curate a, a really nice selection. I try to bring in uh, single barrels that I that I think customers really customers would really appreciate. Um, so yeah, I mean, when I'm when I'm there. I'm looking at the proofs, I'm looking at the age statements, which mm-hmm. you shouldn't always take an age statement like, oh, okay, yeah. uh, it's a 10-year, no. this is going to be it an be excellent. A, it could be a real red herring. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've had excellent, you know, young age-stated whiskeys before. For, for sure. I mean, like I said, going to bring it back to Willet. their two-year, you know, two-year rise yeah. and stuff like that. Phenomenal. I mean, yeah, there's some
0: brokers saying right now it's harder to find 4-year-old whiskey than it is 12-year-old whiskey. Well, exactly. That's,
1: well, that's the thing. At <laughs> 4 to 8 years old, I think is the the best age to find a higher percentage of good barrels. Sure. Is there a reason why? Because at, there, there's this apex at 8 years old where you reach a level of depletion through evaporation Definitely. from the barrel where you can really get, at that point, you can start to get too much wood, too much tannins, too mm-hmm. much whatever that the alcohol yeah. is stripping out of the barrels in your spirit. And obviously it depends like how much head goes into that,
0: or tails goes into it initially. Well, of course, but I and mean, like, but it's all together in seasons too. That the barrels experience maybe there was yep, like a very sure. like
1: you
0: know mild winters going yeah. on through those experiences that yeah. brought those barrels to a different
1: taste. It's you true. know, and you know back when there wasn't a bourbon boom. You know, when did that happen? Oh. So <laughs> here the, we the, go. The seventies through the early two thousands. You Definitely, know, yeah. your common um, wild turkey, or whatever on the shelf, would have four, six, eight, nine year old juice all blended into it. Yeah. Um, because some stuff was deemed not good enough to make like a, a wild turkey thirteen year old, for example. Yeah. Or a wild awesome. turkey diamond, you know, um, bottling. Exactly. Yeah, right. It was deemed not good enough. But at this at this point, like. Um, you know, if I have X amount of barrels, uh, if I I have 50 barrels of a 12-year-old bourbon, um, I'm going to find at least 10 10 barrels to make a good blend to put out because that 12-year-old age statement is important. And um, it's it's so sought after that I can't afford to just, like, sit on it and, like, well, let's see how this develops. Maybe it'll be good to blend with, like, some 4-year-old stock.
0: And I think maybe as... The whole Pappy phenomenon decreases over these next few years or so. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I mean, obviously (laughs) it all started because of people stealing depletions out of the distillery and hoarding it and all that stuff and putting it on the secondary market which we can get into in a second if you would like to. Um, no. But, no? No, I'm just no, I just okay. like shutting you down. No, I shutting me down <laughs> is probably the best thing to do in your life. Um, many girls have done it. Oh. I, 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 I tricked one into marrying me soon, so we'll see how
1: that, that works <laughs> so out. That is how he said soon. soon. Yeah, exactly. You're still four months. So yeah, she still has happen. time to change her mind. <laughs> she could definitely change her mind.
0: But you know, maybe uh, the market will come back to that that correction. Matt's pointing to his wedding ring right now. I'm not sure if he I thought.
1: did it successfully. Oh, I thought maybe you are asking me to marry you. <laughs> um, Jake, I know, you know, we, we haven't Two talked podcasts. about this before. <laughs> we <laughs> haven't talked about this much before, and we've known each other in polite company for yeah, a couple of years now. Absolutely. But, um, polite company indeed. Is over whiskey? Let's make this employee company yeah. and get married. I think
0: we should. Okay. Things I think are getting we should. Real fast. <laughs> real fast. Mike, all maybe you should leave. Whiskey, yeah. <laughs> 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 well, um, sure. But no, I mean maybe there'll be a market correction. How we see with beer going? You know, how for seven years there's IPAs. How how mm. much can we get with the investing and trying out these new IPAs and sure. uh, being creative with that? But maybe we'll go back to like that four or five year, six year mark of whiskey and those barrel picks, and that'll be the popular choice. I mean, has it, have you seen I any so. of that
2: pr- being proved? Yeah, I think barrel picks are, I mean, on the rise. And at this point, people are are really, really looking out for those barrel picks. I see more places actually, and I guess getting into the secondary market, I see a lot of people in the secondary market trading and selling barrel picks nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, They're just very unique. They're very unique because, uh, for example, the Widow Jane that I picked, uh, the barrel that I had was barrel number 78, uh, yeah. Binnys did
0: <laughs> That's Matt running to the bathroom.
2: Binnie's did a uh, barrel number 79. Okay. so sister barrel. However, if you try them side by side, they taste nothing alike. Mm. Um, I'm not going to tell you which one I think is gooder or, or better, better I should say. Good or, better, Good or better.. <laughs> who cares. But, um, but yeah, so it's just very unique how each single barrel, even if they're in the exact same Rick house, right next to each other, how drastically different they could taste. It's so important. I mean,
0: those individual staves that they're bar- barrel aging in could be built from, we've talked about it before <clears> on this <throat> podcast, but from 30 different trees. And that exactly. whole effect can be, if it's sitting in one spot of the, of the warehouse, it might get a little more direct sunlight, depending on what the house is built like. Or maybe there's like even a heating unit, depending on if it's more of a controlled uh, area um, of air conditioning and heating it can all change so drastically first from those little points and be barrel-aging, you know, put it inside the barrel at the exact same time, let it be aging for the exact amount of time as well. It could be a four-year mark, five-year mark, eight-year mark, whatever it may be, but that one spot in the house, in the house can change it completely. And for somebody who's trying to sell that product, do you want that consistency, or do you want a little
2: bit of change to it? Um, sometimes for me, I actually like a little bit of change yeah, over the years. Same. I think it's kind of fun because you never 100% know those yeah. single barrels i mean they're just they're they're just fun they're not only fun to pick but every single year even some of these companies that that are coming out with with single barrels like yeah. uh, four roses single barrels and stuff like that good stuff they're really really fun yeah. and they're really unique so you try them and it's like wow they they drastically change and, Yeah. Um, and it makes for for an experience. It makes for a really, really unique experience.
0: Are you having those larger distilleries come down to you, wanting to sell those barrels, sell those bottles? Are you having the craft distilleries come to you as well? Or what's going on?
2: Um, yeah, some of these craft distilleries will, will come to me. I reach out to some of them as well. Okay. So it really just depends. It, it depends on... Um, I guess it goes back to what your store can handle. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, because there's, so there's only so many single barrels we could do before we end up going bankrupt. Because yeah. <laughs> they're expensive. Yeah, they are. They're and very I, I, expensive. I was going to
0: ask you that earlier when, we, when this conversation started. <clears throat> the investment that goes into buying an entire barrel of whiskey on the low end, it might be $7,000. On the high end... A little more
2: than that. Okay,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I've, I've only sold one barrel in my day. But, um, uh but yeah, it's a it's super large investment for you to go into and taking that risk upon your store. Sure. And waiting for your customers to come to it. Uh, do you advertise differently towards those barrels?
2: I try. I try really hard. I mean, like I said, I, I, what I work on a lot is building the experience. Yeah. I want customers to come in and, and really build an experience Definitely. off of that. So every single barrel that, that I'm picking, um, whenever I post it up, I try to go into great detail as far as the notes that I'm expecting customers to get. Um, So, for example, like the Corazon single barrel that Matt was uh, so lovely talking about um, just a second ago. I like it. (laughs) There you go. I I was, you know, if you look at the post that I put up there, I was talking about this, like, herbaceous kind of center. Mm, And the nose, you get a lot of, like, ripe pineapple notes. Mm, And the finish is a lot of vanilla I mean, th- those are the, the kind of descriptors that, that customers want to hear. They want to know, okay, does this person actually know what he's talking about or is he just picking things? <laughs> yeah. But they also, they, you know, they appreciate those kind, of, those kind of notes. They want something that's different. Yeah. And they hear, yeah. they're like, ripe pineapple. Ooh, I, you know, it's I want different. to try that just because it's unique. Yeah. So, yeah. Do, do you have, are you having customers coming
0: in and trying to pair a bottle of whiskey or a bottle of tequila with beer? They're buying the same day?
2: Um, mm, excellent question I, I do see customers come in and they will buy whiskeys and sometimes they'll buy beer however I, I don't know if they're buying them necessarily to pair yeah. together but I, I do notice a lot of the same customers that come in to buy craft beer also have a great appreciation yeah. for whiskey
0: yeah is it craft whiskey or more is it more of those hard to find labels or just whiskey in general both yeah. I would
2: say you know those the craft Craft whiskies are yeah. definitely really hot, but um, but also a lot of these these people, cool. you know, they like to look at the display cases and see, yeah. you know, what fun stuff do we have in that day? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I sometimes will just throw up. You know, I, I don't post everything, so yeah. sometimes I just throw something fun up, and if you come in at the right time, all of a sudden you got yourself a really cool bottle in your hand. Mm-hmm.
0: How have you seen like your um, your clientele or? I guess, the mood in the store change over the last, you know, 10 years, nine years it has been with this craft explosion happening.
2: Yeah. Um, so the neighborhood is still, you know, we still have the same roots in the neighborhood. A lot of the, the Mexicans and stuff like that will come in, and mm-hmm. they're still buying the, the same um, products. We Mexicans are, are very loyal to our <laughs> brands. Uh, there's a lot of loyalty. However, Great. the younger generations, these, you know, um, younger 24 to, I don't know, maybe 35, yeah. so on and so forth. Uh, the, you know These younger Latinos that are coming in are the ones that are really exploring all these different products. And, and they see their friends and stuff like that trying unique products. So uh, we're still getting the same base, but at the same time, it's really fun to see. And, and I appreciate it when I hear customers that are like, oh, I'm coming from like Bourbon A and stuff like that just to stop in my store. So yeah. we have all sorts of people coming into the store from various parts of the city, even the Midwest, just to awesome. check out the selection. Great for awesome. you guys. Thanks. And what's in the future? So the future, um, we have a lot of big plans. So right now I'm working on a craft bar for the store, cool. and I'm really yes, excited about that. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I have a small Chihuahua uh, that I bring to the store almost every day. So... Small Chihuahua. <laughs> He's seven pounds. Seven. He's very, very <laughs> nice. small. So, um, his name is Osito, okay. which means little bear, and um, my sister is an amazing artist, and she drew up a caricature of him, and okay. I told her that I wanted to have this kind of old-timey look to it, because the 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 idea of the bar is to have, you know, quote-unquote, a speakeasy style mm-hmm. craft bar with mm-hmm. a modern Latin flair. Mm-hmm. So, when I say craft bar, I'm talking about craft whiskeys, mm-hmm. craft beer, gin, cequilas, mezcals, craft cocktails. I mean, it's going to be really unique. It
0: sounds exactly like what you, who you are.
2: Exactly. It's like,
0: it's like you have the store, you have the heritage of your family, you have the heritage of whiskey and the modern movement that's happening right now.
2: Yep. I mean, I, the the location is right on the side of the store. You should be able to walk right through the back of the store, right into the bar, which I think is really unique. Um, and the location has this old-timey feel to it. I mean, the, the spot that we have right there was built in the early 1800s. So oh, it wow. still has yeah. the ornate tin ceilings and everything. Awesome. Perfect. And for me, I love architecture and, like, the roots of, of Chicago. Definitely. It's so fascinating. Yeah. So when you walk in there, I kind of I want that, that kind of experience. But like I said, we're gonna have a little bit of that modern, like Latin flair to it. That's gonna make it a little bit more unique. That's great to hold that tradition of the city. I mean, in so many places, even the
0: place we're sitting in right now. You have the exposed bricks. That you're right mm, next to a train. A train. You have all the natural light coming in here, with the nice old wood floors to it as well. Yep. And then, antique whiskey barrels sitting around. Yeah. Oh yeah. All <laughs> the beer, and then all the beer you want, craft beer you want downstairs. It's yep. kind of a great thing to have um really goes into well what i think what we're trying to do here is like right. foster community but Definitely. also hold on to those legacy points of what brought us all yeah. here
1: um, yeah, we're, we're all part of this organism where you know chicago was home to all of these cottage industries oh, yeah. you know chicago had its breweries its distilleries its piano maker you know <laughs> lion and Keely <laughs> yeah. you know on lake street you know it, it was home to all of these industries that were Uniquely Chicagoan, <coughs> yeah. and then also the mafia running them. Um, but, oh, how did that idea get in my head? I have no That's, idea. Okay. So, but, um, you know, with uh, the emergence of craft beer over the past five years, and then I'd say craft distilling over the past like two years, it's, you know, my dream that we're heading back to those cottage industries oh, yeah. where, like, it'd be weird, hopefully in like five years, it'll be weird to go into a bar. And the cocktails aren't all from Illinois. No. You know? Yeah. Just like and the how food too, maybe. Yeah, and the yeah. food
0: too. The farms right around the area. I mean That's we're true. already
1: we're already kind of in that area with um, if you go into a place and the draft list isn't mostly <laughs> Illinois, you're like, What is wrong with you? Like you know <laughs> Illinois <laughs> you know all of our breweries yeah. are great.
0: It's like now that you have craft beer bars in Rugleyville, it's like yeah. well, not even like this at the bar is craft beer, but the handles all on the bar are all
1: craft. Beer. Exactly. <laughs> okay. And that's yeah. what
0: happened over the last five years.
1: For sure. Sorry to interrupt you. No, not at all. You are, now. you are helping me. There you so, go. um, yeah, I just, what is so encouraging out of these conversations is like heading back towards that, you know, Chicago being a, uh, a, a place where we buy and sell and consume Chicago things, Definitely. you know, no matter what they are. I think that's
0: what uh, all three of us here are all about. Mm-hmm. And then uh, also with the future of this, of this podcast too. Um, I think that's been a great conversation. We've already hit over an hour. Uh, Mike, is thank you so much for coming on. Um, thank you guys Anything for you want me. to
2: promote uh, at all? Um, you know, really just shopping local and yeah. supporting supporting your local places. I mean, I'm not here to to really just put in a, a major plug-in for my store. I, I, I just love talking about these spirits. Great. But um, if you are interested yeah. in coming to my store, Do it. hashtag plug-in. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what's um, your handles? <laughs> I'm sorry. What's your Instagram handle? My Instagram handle is uh, Moreno's Liquors. And so. Facebook too, right? Yep. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Very easy to find. But uh, our store is located conveniently in the Little Village neighborhood right yeah. off 525. I definitely
0: uh, recommend anybody checking it out. And uh, Matt, anything for you you want to throw up on the, uh, the
2: airways? Yeah.
1: Um, my Instagram handle is Moreno's Liquors 2. Oh, really? <laughs> and my Facebook is Moreno's Liquors 2, official he's fan club of Moreno's just Liquors. trademarked all of those.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome um, no but Matt is uh, part of the Bomb Brothers which is a great distillery out in Galena and his uh, Instagram handle is Official Matt Brown
1: is that fan club Official Matt Brown fan club so much to
2: handle right there <laughs> I'm going to
1: change mine to Official
2: Moreno's
0: uh, yes Official Moreno's <laughs> fan club <laughs> slash Matt Brown um, but anyways other than that guys uh, we are Keen the Lake you can find this podcast on iTunes you can also find it on Keen the dot com um, our website is Keen the dot com and our Instagram handle is at Key in the Lake, and also on Twitter it is the same too. Other than that, thanks for all the support, um, Matt, Mike. Thanks for coming out today and joining me upstairs in uh, Beguile. Oh yeah, also tomorrow Beguile is introducing their new stout, which is a song of Stout and Fire, which <laughs> obviously is a play on uh, Game of Thrones. But that will be um, in the tap room all day, available as limited supplies last. I want to give a shout out to them because they let us. House up here for free and record our podcast. And uh, we will actually be back um, on Friday uh, with Ian, so check that out too. It'll be up shortly. Other than that, guys, thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll see you soon.